This is In-Ear Insights, the Trust Insights Podcast. In this episode of In-Ear Insights, this is a behind-the-scenes episode. Uh, we're getting ready for the Agora Pulse uh, Instagram Summit uh, coming up in, I think, uh, uh, next week, uh, the week of the 25th of February. So uh, if you want to check out, uh, we'll put a link in the show notes to it uh, over at trustinsights.ai to, on this episode. Um, but we're doing a talk at this show on, uh, I somewhat humorously called it, is the gram doing it for you? Sort of a reversal of the, the cliche doing it for the gram. Looking at Instagram data, looking at a ton of it, because one of the things that has always bothered me about a lot of um, people doing Instagram case studies is that they look at like a handful of accounts, like 10 accounts or 12 accounts. They make these broad sweeping generalizations like this is what works on Instagram. And it's like, it's a pretty big place. It's like a billion active users. And 12 accounts just isn't a large enough sample size. So we thought we'd take a, a, you on a behind the scenes uh, look at some of the data that we're processing. And uh, especially for uh, for Katie to say, that makes absolutely no sense, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> um, this is not final. So uh, be sure to, to take uh, what we say with a grain of salt. And if you're listening to this, uh, you'll want to go over to our YouTube channel, trustinsights.ai slash YouTube. So you can actually see uh, the the in-process slides. So before we get started, Katie, any, any thoughts or, or comments about uh, what you find working on Instagram? Not, you know, not off the top of my head. I still see people doing... Um, live streams on Instagram. I don't know how popular those are in terms of people actually tuning in and watching. Um, I know that Instagram still has limitations in terms of you can't put a URL in your text, in your post. And that to me also seems like a limitation and a miss. And so, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see with all of these uh, other social media platforms where Instagram stands these days. Yep, it is uh, definitely sort of uh, the the king of the hill. Okay, so this slide has nothing on it. Um, <laughs> Remember, this is a draft. <laughs> exactly, this is a draft. Um, so a couple of things about the data we chose and some choices that we made. Uh, one, the data is from April 1 onwards. I figured uh, there really a lot of stuff, particularly on Instagram, about things like travel and you know, food and parties and stuff, obviously came to an end, uh, or should have, uh, around April 1. So I figured we, let's start from April 1, because that's where a lot of the lockdowns began. Um, mm -hmm. We have two sets of data, the brands, uh, almost 4,000 brands with 1.2 million posts uh, in the last, what, 10 months, and then uh, almost uh, 11,000 influencers, individual people, with 1.5 million uh, posts. These were initially chosen by Facebook's, uh, so Facebook operates a software called CrowdTangle, uh, which is now a journalist platform, um, which allows you to download uh, back data uh, going up to two years back for any, a, a provided list of Instagram accounts. So they start, they gave us the, the starter list and then we had to go and, and clean it up because it's kind of messy. So before you move on, so you know I'm gonna start asking questions. Um, yeah. How how do you determine, you know, which brands to be taking a look at? You know, what is the mix of brands? Is it all lifestyle brands, all consumer brands, B2B brands? How does that list come about? 
So Facebook's brand list is very heavily B2C. So for us, we had to add about 900 B2B brands that we knew of. Um, and these are companies that are mainly uh, in the B2B tech and software space so that you won't, for example, find like industrial concrete companies uh, in our lists. We I, I source those from honestly from just doing some basic research, looking at handles that I mentioned. Uh, we have people in the analytics for Slack, uh, analytics for marketers community on, our, on Slack. And uh, looking at sort of like the top 100 B2B companies uh, on social media, there are a ton of these lists and essentially taking those handles, doing a quick check of them and then loading them into CrowdTangle and then it goes and finds all the back data. All right. Any other questions, Your Honor? <laughs> I'm sure, you know, I'm sure I will have questions. You know, the first thing I always ask about for not just us, but for anyone is the methodology. How did this come about? And again, that sort of goes back to my academic and clinical trial research roots of you need to know exactly what's in the thing that you're doing and you can need to explain it start to finish backwards forward so i'm always on the lookout for making sure that any kind of research has very specific concrete methodology statements yep big picture stuff is very straightforward so the, we calculate engagement rate as the number of engagements on a post to divide it by the number of followers on that account. Uh, and, and so the, the methodology for this is for brands. This is sort of look at the overall engagement rates over the last uh, 10 months. And it's, it is um, essentially just a, a rolling average. And what you see here is that brands have gone from about 0.4%-ish uh, at the start of the pandemic uh, to just above 0.3%. It's been a, a sort of a slow and steady decline. This has been the trend for years now. Um, back when Trust Insights was first, uh, when we first opened our doors, brand engagement rate was about 1%. So it's just kind of been on a, a, an overall slow decline. Do you think... And I don't know if you get into this into your research, uh, Chris. So if I'm jumping ahead, please let me know. But do you think that the reason for the decline is that people's attention is spread so thin these days that they're not spending as much time on Instagram when there were fewer social media platforms? That's a very good question. And uh, let's hold that for like three slides. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> To give you a sense of the median follower counts in this in this study, um, we're looking at you know uh, ten different you know it's sort of ten percent brackets. The top bracket, of course, has millions you know brands with millions of followers. The lowest has you know it, uh, around forty thousand, a median of forty thousand uh, followers. What's interesting about this because we're gonna I want to show this next is when we look at the different deciles, the different groups perform more or less similarly, but there are some some differences in that pack. So the the brands that have the highest engagement are still around anywhere from almost 1% to you know 0.71% today. So the brands that have figured out engagement on Instagram are doing are doing pretty well, right? And the brands who have not figured out engagement, right? You know, they're in the 0.1%. So you we were talking at that point, you know, one out of a thousand people uh, engaging with your post. So there's a, when you, when you split up engagement, it's not this monolithic, you know, 0.3% median. It's actually pretty diverse. So the thing that I would say here is if you are, take a look at your own company's, in, you know, media engagement rates on, Instagram and say, where do you fit in? You know, which of these 10 brackets are you in? And then what would it take um, for you to jump from, you know, 
bracket one to bracket two or bracket two to bracket three? What's going to take to that next step? Rather than thinking about how do I get to the overall median, which is still pretty low, how do you get to the next level? Can we real talk for a second, though? Because you're you have all these, you know, 10 levels of deciles. But what the numbers we're talking about are still really crappy engagement rates. Like you're talking 1% yes. engagement rate is the top of, you know, the stack. So if you want to get to 1% engagement rate, literally one person out of 100 interacts with your thing, probably your mom, then it's you're still not doing that great. So, you know, I think it's really interesting that you broke it out this way, but I just want to be real to say like, we're still not talking about great engagement numbers. Like these are still pretty terrible. These are still pretty terrible. Believe it or not, these are 10 X better than Facebook itself. Um, <laughs> you know, we've, we've been saying for fa for years, Facebook is sort of the, 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 you know, death of an organic engagement. Um, this is one of the reasons why to, um, to, questions we were having before the show started why brands are always you know trying to jump on the next thing like what's the next mm -hmm. social media platform because you realize that the big networks there isn't a there there you know there's it, you're mm -hmm. right when one out of 100 people engages and this is like you know accidentally hit the like button right this is not you know serious engagement in, in the many cases you know the vast majority of this is likes because likes plus comments uh is what constitutes engagement it's not great. It's uh, and and if you're at the bottom of the heap, you're at one of a thousand people. If you've only got a thousand followers, it means it really is your mom. It really is, or it's you as a real person engaging with your brand's social media account. And let's be honest, we all do it. You know, there's no shame in it. But if that's the only engagement that you're getting, that's problematic. And so, Chris, you had mentioned Facebook. Um, one of the things that, aside, you know one of many things that bugs me about Facebook is that it's completely become this, this paid platform. The majority of my feed is now advertising. And so, you know, organic engagement rates are pretty much non-existent. Like you can probably get engagement rates for your personal accounts amongst mm -hmm. your friends. But if you're a brand, unless you're paying, your stuff isn't going to show up. And I'm seeing a lot of the same thing happen with Instagram, which is unsurprising because that is owned by Facebook. Exactly. You know, I think um, this is also why brands like Slack and, and Discord are doing so well, because, yeah, people want to have real conversations and not see an ad every other post. Like, you know, when I swipe through my Instagram stories as a, as a consumer, every mm -hmm. other post is an ad. I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, and I, and I swipe past it, but it's still an extra stuff. Whereas when I go to, you know, to log into Discord, I have none of that. Um, and it's, it, you know, Discord makes its money differently. It makes its money mm -hmm. from the users, not from advertisers. So when you see things like Clubhouse and, and, and stuff popping up, it's like, yeah, because people are going where there's a better experience. And a better experience in this case is, you know, not 50% of your time being wasted looking at ads. Well, and with Instagram, you don't really have a choice in seeing the ads. If you're looking at, you know, the stories of people that you care about, you know, it, automatically drops an ad in between every story. So if you're looking at your, you know, your interface and you see like Katie has a story, Chris has a story, John has a story, you think you're just going to get those three, but they drop an ad in between one of those and you have to engage with it some way to either make it go away or watch it through to get to the next story. So they've really kind of, you know, forced you into that experience, which is unfortunate. It is. So to your question about you know, is is this just in general, 
The answer is no. When you look at influencers, something happened in October, and we don't know what. Uh, it was late September, October, but influencer engagement actually bumped up. It went from about 1.2 uh, to about 1.4%. And again, if we go through and we um, we go into this chart here where the influencers mm -hmm. by Desau, the smaller accounts got a big boost in October, going from you know 0.2 to 0.6, like tripling their engagement rates. Whereas the bigger accounts kind of remained pretty steady throughout the same time period. But I don't know why this happened. I don't know what it is about the lower 50% of, of engagement accounts just got this, this shot in the arm. And it's very interesting. I'm wondering if, you know, if you're watching this, um, and you saw your own, this happen in your own analytics, particularly if you were one of the lower engagement accounts, you know, drop a line, if, uh, pop on over to uh, Analytics for Marketers and let us know, uh, did you see this same thing happen in your Instagram uh, data in, in late September, early October? So just for uh, clarification, in this context, what, how do we define an influencer? So influencers are essentially accounts that are individuals as opposed to brands. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, everyone from Kim Kardashian to you and me um, and Facebook. I'm honestly not sure how they define it other than you have more than 10,000 followers. Right. That's that's seems to be about the, the bottom line uh, benchmark for them. Mm -hmm. okay. So you're a person, not a brand, and you have more than 10,000 followers. Does Instagram. uh publicly publish anything about their algorithm or algorithm changes um, or any of their feature changes. I know that they were um, testing, A-B testing likes going away. Um, so I don't know if those are factors in this dramatic change. They do not. Um, Facebook is notoriously closed-lipped about core algorithm stuff. It's not something they talk a whole lot about. They talk endlessly about, you know, uh, operations, but not mm -hmm. about the algorithm itself. So we don't know. The reason I'm wondering, because I know that a lot of these platforms, LinkedIn being one of them, um, is that the more engagement you get with a post, the more likely it is to show in someone's feed. If it, Even if you're friends with them, you might not see the post or the mm -hmm. thing. And so what this looks like to me is that if we're talking about influencers and if we're talking, you know, for the sake of argument, people who have more than 10,000 followers, the likelihood of their fans engaging with their thing is, you know, theoretically going to go up. Therefore their stuff would be shown more and then more people would have the opportunity to engage with it. That to me is a likely scenario again we don't know for a fact that that's what happened but that is what this looks like to me yeah uh, yeah again we don't know what's going on behind the scenes but we do know that it was definitely noticeable for the lower engagement accounts um and i can't i couldn't tell you from memory if something happened in october because all the months have blended together uh, <laughs> whether there was a major change or not yeah um, who knows Exactly. So let's start digging into some of the things that uh, our the folks in analytics for marketers actually suggested when I asked, hey, what are the, kind of, the kinds of things you would be interested in seeing in a presentation about Instagram? Uh, one of them was hashtags for brands. What does the distribution look like? And we've kind of tackled this two different ways because uh, initially I just went and said, okay, show me what uh, median engagement or average engagement looks like for 
you know, this, the number of hashtags in a post. And what you see here, um, you see a, a decent amount of engagement really through, you know, one through four, one through five, zero through five hashtags or so. And then it really does fade off. Um, there are a couple of places where um, you'll see you know, larger cohorts like in, around 10 and 13. But for the most part, most brands either don't put a hashtag in their posts or put, you know, just a, a couple at a time and they get decent performance out of that. But then I was, uh, I forget who I was talking with. I might've been talking with you about this uh, last week um, about sort of stratification of data and how this represents the group as a whole uh, mm -hmm. of all 4,000 brands. But what would it look like if we stratify it and said, okay, what's the difference between this and the top 10% engagement folks? And this is where you now see, yeah, there's zero, one, and two, but also for the folks who get a lot of engagement brand wise, you know, 10 and 15 hashtags do work. So there's a, there is a difference between the general population of brands and then this, this elite group. And so there's something to be said for, uh, if you are in that top 10%, chances are you sharing a, a decent number of hashtags. And so we were talking about this a little bit last week because you and I have been on either side of the argument of the utilization of a hashtag. And so a hashtag historically in social media was used for Twitter as a way for people to search because they didn't have the search function built in when Twitter uh, was first brought to the market. And so other social media platforms have adopted the hashtag to do basically the same thing. You can search on a hashtag. But the other thing that social media platforms now do is you can follow hashtags. And so you can discover new people, new brands, et cetera, et cetera. Um, on my personal Instagram account, I follow hashtags that show me posts of people I don't follow, but it's topics that I'm interested in. So what I do also see is that people will throw hashtags on their posts just to be shown, even if it's not relevant to the content, which is annoying. So I think at least the conclusion I draw from this, um, Katie, is that when we post our podcast, um, let's start doing some experimentation. We can take our SEO keyword list for that episode, basically mm -hmm. put a hashtag in front of the top terms uh, and see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and we could be doing that across all different platforms because that also brings up the question of, you know, is is a B2B brand right for Instagram? And I feel like that's a whole other conversation. Agreed. But if there's with a billion people, there's at least somebody there. Um, mm -hmm. and, and 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 by the way, that's sort of one of our, our, our little uh, secrets. So don't go telling the world. But yeah, if you are not already repurposing your SEO keyword <laughs> list for hashtags and social media, you probably should. It's because you know what they're popular because people are searching for it. Mm -hmm. um, we started also looking, again, stratification of those hashtags. What are the hashtags that are unique from brands um, to the top 10% of those you know, most engaged posts? And I see a lot of, frankly, you know, travel stuff uh, in mm -hmm. here and uh, <clears throat> a few other things. But there's nothing in here that stands out as like, huh, I would never have thought to do that. These are obviously very niche into you know, th these, these particular accounts. Um, doing really well uh with these tags but you do you can you can it doesn't take a whole lot of, to figure out what like earth capture and land mammals are about um when we look at the bottom 10 percent, the, the the posts that perform the worst that you can see they're fairly 
fairly commerce oriented, right? They're, mm -hmm. they're definitely uh, aimed at a specific audience and it's not working for them. Uh, it's, it's, it's not getting the juice. One of the things that I see a lot is that people will post a picture and then it's like, you know, outfit of the day or Instagram of the day or I, and so all those different variations, because what they're trying to do is get the attention of accounts that re reshare mm. those kinds of posts. And so these more generic hashtags are the things that, you know, let's say you were trying to get the attention of the Boston Globe, for example, because you wanted them to reshare your image or reshare, you know, your content, you would be tagging Boston Globe, Boston picture of the day, you know, Boston strong, all the different Boston things with the hope of getting their attention because emailing them directly to say, Hey, I have this really cool picture just doesn't work anymore. Yep. Agreed. And then we look at the tags that are common to all posts of, of any, any performance level. Uh, but yeah, mm -hmm. you do see a lot of those brand tags and stuff that would not surprise me if folks were attempting to get uh, noticed by this particular brand. So obviously, because this is all posts across the board, um, you do see much, much larger numbers for the usages of these. I, one thing that stands out to me is there's a lot of vehicle uh, tags mm -hmm. uh, in here, and I'm not sure why. It's, I guess it's just people like showing off their cars. It's, a, it's definitely a status thing because you see things like luxury, but also remember in the past year, cars were really the only quote unquote safe mode of transportation and a lot mm. of, you know, so flying, you know, cruises, you know, traveling by train, those are all modes of travel where people were clustered together. So people really looking back at their cars themselves of like, this is the only safe way for me to travel do the cross-country road trip, get out of my house, whatever the thing was. And I believe car companies really took advantage of that. If they're like, yeah, this is the best time right now for you to upgrade to one of our luxury vehicles. So if you can't get on a plane, why not spend that money in your car? True. And it is, it's a visible status symbol. And it also doesn't cost a whole lot to operate because you're not going anywhere. <laughs> so you're not you're going anywhere. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's look at the same for influencers. So those are brands. Let's look at influencers. Uh, influencers have a sort of a U-shaped uh, bubble when it comes to hashtags, right? They anywhere from zero to uh, five, zero to six, or, and then you know more than nineteen uh, in general. So influencers definitely doing the uh, the hashtag spray and pray much more so than brands. And when we dig into the top 10% uh, across the board, there is no one answer that says, "Yeah, this is probably it." Uh, the the 20 and above category is just as prominent as the as the the none so for the influencers they're definitely out there trying to hose down instagram with hashtags mm -hmm. um at the top 10 percent for these uh these are there's a lot of sports stuff uh, in here and there's a lot of very localized things and what i think is really interesting here that shows you uh kind of an interesting bias there are more multilingual hashtags in influencers than there are brands, which kind of makes you wonder, like, brands, why aren't you doing more? Particularly, you know, the, the, a lot of the brands we saw were not small, you know, localized brands. They're multinational companies. Why wouldn't they be following the same uh, pattern as some of the influencers in the space? It's a really good question. Um, you know, my, again, hypothesis, not proven. I have no data to back it up. Um, you know, so brands uh, that are global tend to have multiple Instagram accounts, 
in those different various languages. Mm. Whereas an influencer tends to have that single account and they're trying to meet all of the different global markets. Mm. Good point. Good point. Uh, the bottom of the, of the barrel, uh, vintage stuff, apparently not doing super well and a lot of crafting stuff and there and a few political things as well. What I thought was interesting when we look at the, the hashtags across the board, um, despite the year that 2020 was, I was really surprised to not see any political hashtags in here. Uh, for you know either the presidential campaigns in the United States, for uh, what was happening in the UK, for what was happening in Russia, I was honestly shocked. Given how prominent that is in the newsfeed, uh, it may just be because Instagram doesn't have the multiple different reactions like you know Facebook has angry and angry got a lot of work out last year. Um, mm -hmm. Instagram doesn't have that, so that maybe that's it. I don't know. What do you think? I think Instagram's not the right platform for it because you can't put a URL in the comments. I think that you can't link to an article, you can't link to a news story, mm. or you know, you can't link to your own website. But also, you know, Instagram is really, you know, just a glorified photo book. Right. You have to have some sort of an image to go along with your post. You cannot post just text. And so I mean, I personally don't see a lot of political posts on Instagram. I don't believe the previous administration actually used Instagram all that much. And that might hmm. be part of it is that people went to the platforms where the administration was to Twitter, yeah. argue Facebook, Twitter, to argue and, you know, hash out everything. Whereas, Instagram was just kind of going by in the background of like, yeah, we're going to stay out of it altogether. This is not the place for it because it's really difficult to do that on Instagram because of the limitations of the platform and the user experience. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right. <clears throat> Another question that our community has, how often should we be posting on Instagram? Well, what's the right amount? Uh, we look at all brand accounts, uh, the number very clearly here, you know, one or two times uh, a day, maybe three times a day, and then that's it. Uh, not a whole lot else happening after that. We look at the top 10% of, of brand accounts for, uh, by engagement, same exact answer, once, twice, maybe three times a day, uh, and, and really not much else. So uh, I understand this because putting together a good Instagram post with decent photography and stuff like that, is a lot of work even just you know text on background stuff still consumes time and so uh in terms of engagement you know once a day seems to be about the right medicine yeah i think that that's you know instagram is a lot more work than you know writing a tweet for you know uh sharing a link again it comes down to because you can't share a link on instagram very easily you would have to change the link in your profile multiple times a day, which is an extra step um, and can get a little bit unwieldy, finding a really nice image or even creating an image mm. in Photoshop or Canva or something else does take a lot more work. And so um, it does make sense that, you know, it's best to sort of limit it to like one really good solid post a day or, you know, no more than three. Yep. All right. On the influencer side, any predictions? Um... No. 
Um, there's, there's more, obviously with influencers, there's, there's more of a gradual decline, you know, anywhere from one to six posts a day. Um, again, if you're a professional Instagram influencer, which is a, a phrase that five years ago probably would not have thought, uh, you know, was a viable career. Um, it makes sense. You'd want to be creating a lot of engagement. And by the, by the way, important caveat, and I need to add this to the disclosures methodology section. We cannot see re, uh, reels currently, and we cannot see stories um, because they are simply not provided by Facebook software. We can see IGTV, carousel, album, and single and videos, but we cannot see those two other forms of content. So it's possible. Um, and I know this just anecdotally for folks, they'll put much more stuff in their stories um, mm -hmm. than they will on their feed itself. But in terms of the main feed, um, for influencers, still a decent amount of, of uh, activity. And then looking at the top 10%, even here, uh, you know, one to four posts a day still is is getting engagement for the, for the top 10% of engaging accounts. It makes sense because it's harder to string together a cohesive narrative on Instagram because, again, limitation of platform, you can't post a picture in the comments, you can't respond with a GIF. Um, you're limited to just posting some sort of, you know, text in terms of response or just the like, which is a heart. Um, whereas in the stories or the reels, uh, you can do a whole narrative. I mean, you'll see people with a hundred different posts in their story because they can tell a whole narrative and post links in there and other things. And so there's a lot more flexibility and features with stories and reels in Instagram, but the actual feed itself is still very limited. Yep. So that's it so far. I realized the one thing that we haven't put in here yet is the engagement by content type, you know, album, mm -hmm. carousel, video, et cetera. So I need to toss that in here. Anything else that, you know, if you were a social media manager, uh, Katie, you'd be like, ah, oh, gosh, I wish I knew kind of what, what else is, is sort of the magic ingredients for success on Instagram? I mean, I always come back to, is Instagram the right place hmm. for your brand? Um, what is it that you're trying to get from Instagram? So I think I would like to know a little bit more about the demographics of who spends their time on Instagram, um, the kinds of brands that are actually seeing engagement on Instagram. So, you know, breaking it down by verticals. Um, those are the types of things that I would be looking for if I was doing my due diligence to say, does my brand belong on Instagram or should I be spending that time and resources on other social media platforms? Interesting. I wonder if it makes sense because it's not something we can get data directly about. I wonder if it makes sense to to commission a paid survey um, to the general you know, general population audience asking about Instagram habits to get some of that that demographic data because you can't get it from it from Facebook. They will not give it to you under for any reason. Right. No. I think I think there would definitely be some value in that. Um, you know, we work we partner with a company that specializes in organic social media. And so we may, we may be able to see if they would be interested in that kind of data, see if they even have any of that data in addition. Um, but it's something that if I was asked the question of where are you going to put your time and resources on social media? My first question would be like, well, who's on those platforms? Who's spending their time there? Is that an audience that I care about? And the answer might be no. And that's mm -hmm. okay. You don't have to be on every social media platform 
to be successful on social with your brand. Yep, exactly. So we hope you've enjoyed this behind the scenes, uh, really rough draft of, a, of an upcoming talk. Um, again, we'll have the link over at trustinsights.ai slash TI podcast. You can find the, the show episodes and things over there. If you've got questions about what, we're, what we've shown today uh, and you, or you have some uh, more details or maybe even some thoughts on it, go, pop on over to trustinsights.ai slash analytics for marketers. Uh, and if you did listen to this uh, and, and did look at the visuals, congratulations. If you do want to see it, um, you can either go over to trustinsights.ai slash TI podcast to find all the links to everything, uh, including the embedded video, or you can watch it on our YouTube channel at trustinsights.ai slash YouTube. Thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you next time. Want help solving your company's data analytics and digital marketing problems? Visit trustinsights.ai today and let us know how we can help you.